0: Welcome to Benedettiville, one and all, all are welcome in Benedettiville, you particularly. Yes, you, the one looking at your radio and or computer and or telephone device thinking,
1: is he talking to me?
0: I'm absolutely talking to you specifically. Welcome to Benedettiville. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Benedettiville's Small Town Adventures here on KPCA LP, Petaluma, California, 103.3 FM. And I'm in downtown Petaluma. It's a beautiful beautiful absolutely gorgeous fall day out there although even though on the way here i had a unbelievably failed attempt to find espresso it's still a beautiful day that's how beautiful of a day it is if you can miss espresso four times on one street and still say it's a beautiful day that's that's a contender contender for greatest day of all time Um, Did you guys hear me just do that? Sorry to sniff into the microphone, but guess what? I'm still sick. I am still sick. This might be the longest lingering illness that I can recall ever having. But you know what's great, if you remember from last week, what's great about being sick is all of the poetic inspiration that it generates. It says, though, every drop of mucus
1: is like unto a jewel of inspiration for my poetry. And there beeth many drops of mucus
0: ineth my nose. And if you're lucky, you might get to hear me sniff them on the air. That's such a bonus. Hey, happy Sunday. Happy Benedettiville Small Town Adventures. Did somebody mention poetry?
1: Gio, oh, that was you mentioning poetry.
0: Oh, it was? Well, lucky everybody in the world, because we are about to read a new poem. Oh. Have you folks out there read Shell Silverstein's poems? A Light in the Attic, Where the Sidewalk Ends? There are others, but those were the two that we had in our house growing up. And they were magnificent. Not just the poems. Oh no. The illustrations too, the spirit, the just the little bit of whimsy, comedy, the little bit of sarcasm, the biting critique of the adult world. Oh, Shel Silverstein, thou art so wonderful, and that is why, ladies and gentlemen, I am trying to become the world's next Shel Silverstein, one week at a time, one poem at a time, and when you've got a head cold like this. It's about all that you can do. Like, I'll wake up in the morning, and the kids are like, Dad, aren't you supposed to cook breakfast? I'm like, I can't. The mucus inspiration is strong. I got to write a poem, and I'm just writing poems. You should see our house. You can't even see the floor. Right now, the floor is littered with poems. If you walk into our house, you're just walking across giant, wadded up, well, lots of lot uh, spent Kleenexes with uh, nose blows in them. Sorry about that. And uh, also lots of pieces of uh, poetry, every which way. It's been a very productive, productive time. Without further ado, here's the newest poem. It's called I'm Still Feeling Sick, and this is how it goes. I've never had a cold this bad. I tried out every cure I had. They only seemed to make it mad, and I'm still feeling sick. The neighbor came with remedies, herbs and pills and sprays and teas, but that bad cold just laughed at me, and I'm still feeling sick. The doctor said I'd be okay, just hang in for a few more days, but that was back in June or May, and I'm still feeling sick. I guess that this is how I'll be. The cold will last eternally, and even when I'm 93, I'll still be feeling sick. So, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The newest addition to the. Uh, did you know that uh, every year there is a competition for uh, Be the Next Shell Silverstein? It's held in his hometown of. I don't know where that is. And um, yeah, the winner gets to be Shell Silverstein. You get named Shell Silverstein and uh, you get to wear his clothes for a year. And uh, I just made all that up. That's not true. The only way that you can be the next Shell Silverstein is by writing poems all the time so that's what i'm doing i'd love to keep telling you about my head cold and about writing poetry but i can't because the big red light is on and that means it's time for a word from our sponsors
2: I sell eggs by the pound. No one else does that. Why? Because everyone else is typically boring and dull. I sell eggs by the pound because I am the egg man, and I have many, many, also of very many different kinds of eggs. I even have special eggs. Rare and delicate eggs. Eggs of mysterious and magical natures. The kinds of eggs that might or might not be invisible. I have an egg that you need to move with the heavy duty rough terrain truck mounted 1,000 ton capacity crane. I've got the last known glass canary egg. I have an assortment of flying snake eggs, most colors and most non poisonous varietals. I have an egg from the Colossus of Magovia. It's very big. If it comes from an egg, I either have it or I can get it. And just remember this: no refunds, all sales final. I can't put eggs back together, and I can't stick things back into eggs. So don't bring me your newly hatched giant scorpion crab back to the shop complaining that it tore up your garage. What did you think it would do? Have a tea party? Now, if you wanted to have a tea party, you should have picked up the miniature pickle eggs. Those things love tea parties. I am the egg man. Eggs by the pound, eggs of all sizes, most of them round. I am the egg man, I've been fine. Roy and I dropped back eggs, they're my joy and my pride. I am the egg man, my collection is rare. the eggs you'll find here, they just can't be found there. For I am the egg man, and it's eggs I adore. So all your egg lovers come down to my store. Yes, I am the egg man. I sell eggs by the pound, eggs of all sizes, most of them round. I am the egg man. My rhyme here is done, so just please do remember: no refunds, all sales is final. Mm.
0: mission is to play that theme uh, at least twice every week. Just to tell you, well, I can't tell you the news yet. Let's hear that theme again, and then I can finally tell you the big news of the Benedettiville Book Club. (laughs)
1: Psych.
0: Fake out. There's actually no news in the Benedettiville Book Club. Stella's got so many chapter books now, and she's a reading machine, so she's reading a lot on her own. Emmy likes to read a different book every night, so we've got tons of storybooks that we're going through. But there hasn't been a pick for the Benedettiville Book Club. All that we've got is this amazing theme song and no books associated with it. It's like it's going to waste. That's why we got to keep it fresh. Everybody knows that theme songs will get moldy and very stinky if you just leave them in your computer or uh, in your uh, record collection, and you don't play them regularly. So it's very important that we exercise that theme song every week, at least a couple of times, even when there's absolutely no news associated with the Benedettiville Book Club. Although, dearest listener folk, do you have a recommendation? Have you read something very awesome recently? Won't you please share your reading adventures with us in Benedettiville? Mail at Benedettiville.com is the email address and one of these days i'm going to write a jingle so that you can uh figure out how to spell benedettiville because it is not only extremely long it's difficult to spell it's a combination of sounds like uh italian and german oh man like what what are we supposed to do with this I'm supposed to spell it you guys but i'll give you the uh i'll give you the mnemonic song one of these days but not today because today we have a very, very, very important announcement—kind uh, of a public service announcement—that's coming in. But uh, my my buddy Blue, the puppet, is going to come in and uh, and give it to you. So I got to get out of the way here. Let me the uh, chair out. Come on over, Blue. When you're ready, and uh, take it away. I'm going to put on some story music behind you so that you've got a nice little uh, bed of music so, for your uh, public service announcement. Take it away, bud. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's some nice music. I would have preferred something a little bit jazzier, man, but uh, this stuff's going to put me right to sleep. My public service announcement does not work really well with this music, but it's going to have to, that's what Gio put on, I guess. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, a better daddy small town. It's just very cool to be talking with you again. This is Blue the Puppet. Um, I hope everybody avoided that Fire Breathing Dragon. That the Guardians uh, exposed as a danger and menace to uh, public society here in Petaluma. If you've got any tips on fire breathing dragons or like where it went off to, let us know, man. We gotta keep on top of this stuff. But that is neither here nor is it there because right now I gotta talk to you all about it. troll season. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, blue, I ain't never seen a troll and I'm a uh, full-on uh, seven years old now. I'm four years old. I've never seen a troll. Well, guess what? That's just because you're lucky, all right? And there's no fooling around. I've got some tips. It is troll season, man. They love the fall. They love the cool weather, and they're going to be roaming around causing all sorts of ruckus and trouble every day, probably, from now until, uh, well... I guess they start to to cool it in the springtime, but that's a long way away. That's half a year away. So we got six months, ladies and gentlemen, to get ready, okay? Now, one of the things that I would really like to do, but I can only do with your help, is to create a troll danger map. Now, what I'm thinking that this would be, you guys, is we would get a map of Petaluma, and then I could show you where all the dangerous troll areas would be, you know, because trolls are always like hanging out at bridges and underground and in like little creepy alleyway dark places, and I'm real, I'm real confident that if we could just get a map together of the troll danger areas, that would be real helpful for everybody, and I can't do it alone, so if you're out in Petaluma, and you see a spot that's like, oh my goodness, that's where a troll would be, take a picture and then send it, send it into mail at and then they're going to give it to me and let's put together the troll danger map, okay, and then we'll all know where we can go and where we can't go, especially like after dark, because holy cow. You just now want to be out after dark unless you've got your gone, misting spray and a uh, real powerful flashlight and, um, yeah, like all, all sorts of stuff like that, okay? The other thing I want to mention about Trolls, you guys, is, uh, you know, sunlight. As long as it's sunny, you're in the clear, okay? And um, we're going to get a whole bunch of other things together. I'm going to get an early Troll warning system together maybe I got to talk to the city about that, where we, like, get to ring a big alarm bell or something when it's a troll danger. But, you know, I'm getting a lot of resistance from City Hall. So another thing that would be real helpful would be, uh, if you're uh, so inclined and passionate, maybe just write a letter or something to uh, somebody whose civic duty it is to protect the streets of Petaluma and let them know about how dangerous this can be. You know, we got to get that early warning system happening. or we're going to get overrun with that troll people. You guys, I can just tell, nobody taking it real serious. Not like old Blue. All right? Okay. Well, hey, I appreciate you guys listening to me. Jill, thanks so much for giving me the time to talk to everybody. And you guys out there, remember, be sharp, be safe. Send me those pictures of the troll zones. And, uh yeah, write a letter to City Hall. Early troll warning system's got to happen. Okay, y'all take care. Be careful out there. And uh I will see you guys safe and sound in the springtime, okay? All right. Talk to you next time. Take care, you folks.
1: You're listening to Benedictineville, KPCA-FM.
0: Well, uh, thanks, Blue, for that, uh, for that public service announcement. I mean, hey, you guys, if you do see some cool troll zones here in Petaluma, we'd love to know where they are. I, I, I'm going to help Blue out making that map, the troll danger map of Petaluma. And um, I think it's real important, especially coming into this fall season. So take those pictures or just write a description of it. Let us know. Let us know the cross streets, etc. Mail is at benedettiville.com and we'll check it out. We'll get it on our map. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and the, uh, early, early troll warning system, getting the big alarm bell, I'm gonna let him work on that on his own. That seems a little trickier. You guys, it's story time. It's story continuation time. I said to be continued, and to be continued it shall be. you remember the story? They nefarious they and our, our, our heroine Josie she had just gotten to the library she had just gotten her amazing book that seemed to like know the future and she was reading through her book and her book had helped her escape from them in the library and she had used the emergency kit to, to get the lock off of the bike that was outside and then she, there she was pedaling her bike away from them still so curious as to what exactly in the world was going on. And that's where our story begins this week, as Josie pedaled away from the library. They Part 3
1: begins right now.
0: As Josie pedaled furiously, speeding away from them and the library, she took a moment to review the situation. It was still a Scenario 23, but now she had to add Complications 9 and 13. Separated from uncle and actively pursued by they. It was a less than comfortable place to be. Because she was separated from her uncle and they were still in hot pursuit, she would have to reach out for help. She would need to activate the Outside Assistance Protocol. This is the kind of thing that was practiced often with her uncle, but never actually done. It was like the emergency kit in her backpack only for a very real emergency. The outside assistance protocol would be activated when Josie took the necessary steps. Throughout downtown, there were minute, near unnoticeable clues that she was to leave. And they were this in order. First, turning the open sign in the cookware store's window upside down. Next, arranging the top shelf of the outside. Bookshelf in front of the bookstore according to color. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, browns, blacks, whites. Next, pulling the loose brick in the alley wall by the parking garage out and replacing it with the gray side showing instead of the red. Finally, on the rack of clothes, out in front of the thrift store on the corner, she was to hang her very own hoodie on the third clothes hanger from the left. Once these steps were completed, the outside assistance protocol was activated. She was to wait at the park on top of the hill, on the bench beneath the redwood trees, and contact would be made there. This flew through her mind as she pedaled, turned, jumped, skidded, wove, and dodged her way through the busy downtown flow of people and traffic. They were, of course, looking for her. They had somehow the house and tracked her to the library despite all of the alarms, the traps, precautions, and the evasive actions. They clearly knew what she looked like. She would need a complete disguise if she was going to be able to walk safely through downtown and activate the outside assistance protocol. Josie and her uncle had dozens of locations across town and the surrounding areas for any and all emergencies. Each of their emergency stashes had a full first aid kit, food and water, a disguise option, and a bit of spending money. Josie needed to get to one of these emergency stashes if she was going to be able to get back into downtown safely. There were stashes close by, but they were hot on her trail. She had to get somewhere safe and far from them, so she sped down the boulevard away from downtown there was a bike trail that followed the river, and about a quarter mile down the trail, there was a tiny, near-invisible dirt path that led into the woods. That path would lead her to a big willow tree, and the emergency stash she and her uncle had put in its trunk. That was where she would go. She pedaled on, feeling better with a solid plan. Just across the intersection of 2nd Street and the boulevard, mere blocks from the river and the beginning of the bike trail... Josie saw a large, sleek, black car screech onto the road behind her. They. She instantly swerved off the road into a parking lot, turned a corner, and pedaled through the theater mall courtyard. She heard honks an angry driver yelled behind her as the black car sped through lights and intersections, speeding to cut her off on the other side. Josie pedaled... People and families hollered as they had to dive and jump to get out of her way. Josie pedaled faster. She jumped the bike down a stairway, landed perfectly in front of a startled elderly couple, swerved to avoid them, and sped off towards the bridge. The black car was skidding around the corner behind her as she emerged from the courtyard back onto the road. She was standing on her bike, pedaling with everything she had, beginning the steep climb of the bridge. They were closing in fast. Josie was sweating and straining, but she pushed herself harder. Faster, she rocketed up the bridge, pedestrians and groups of pigeons rushing to get out of her way. The car gained on her. As she crested the top of the bridge, picking up speed as she began the descent, she risked a glance behind her. A figure in a black suit was leaning out of the passenger window of the black car, a strange, gun like device in its hands. The device was aimed right at her. Josie began to swerve right and left as erratically and randomly as she could manage, doing her best to present a difficult, moving target for whatever it was they were trying to shoot. The bike trail entrance was just at the bottom of the bridge. She pedaled until her legs screamed at her. The car closed in. Josie kicked out her right leg and threw the bike down and low into a hard, tight right turn the wheels skidded out from under her, a shower of gravel and dirt sprayed up before her, and with her right leg, she pivoted herself in the bike a full 90 degrees. As the bike dipped low to the ground and skidded, she heard a loud from the car and felt the air rip just over her head. She watched a mean-looking weighted net fly just over her head and wrap itself around a nearby lamppost blasted from the strange gun in the black car. She righted her bike and sped between the metal posts that kept cars off the bike trail. She watched the black car race by, unable to stop in response to her quick turn. She heard the screeching brakes behind her, but she was already gone, moving fast down the winding bike trail, her heart beating a mile a minute. Josie did not let up. In another quarter mile, she turned off onto the nearly invisible dirt trail. She sped on, now under the cover of trees, into the woods, invisible to the world, further and further from town. Eventually, as Josie's adrenaline subsided, she began to feel the strain she had put her body through. Her legs felt rubbery. Her mouth was parched and dry. She was drenched in sweat. Wobbly, nearly falling over, she pulled off the trail and stumbled, leaning on her bike now towards a large willow tree beside a small creek she parted the drooping canopy of leaves and entered the quiet, private stillness of the willow tree's shade. She dropped the bike, sat down, leaned back against the willow's trunk and let out a huge breath. what the heck, she said out loud. On hands and knees, she felt her way around the trunk until the hidden latch was under her fingers. She opened the secret door. Inside a hollowed chamber in the trunk was the emergency stash. Josie pulled it all out. She took a long, grateful drink of cool, clean water. She devoured several granola bars and threw the rest of the food into her backpack. She pulled out the bag of disguised materials. This one was for a 50-ish, set woman with short, black, graying hair and glasses. Josie got to work. She began by cutting her hair, doing her best with the scissors in the small mirror from the kit. Next, the hair dye. She did a fine job, she'd had enough practice over the years, of creating the look of black hair fading to gray. She then turned to the makeup kit. Her face, under her talented hands, began to age and wrinkle. Age spots appeared on her hands. Next was the suit. Large foam pads were sewn into a skin-colored set of spandex shirt and pants. As she put them on, her slim 10-year-old frame became the much larger and droopier form of a rather out-of-shape older woman. She put the clothes from the disguise kit on over the suit, dark boots, black flowing pants, a large gray turtleneck sweater, a black scarf, another gray shawl, a black beret, and then the thick-framed round eyeglasses. There was even a giant bulky black leather handbag that would fit her entire backpack. When Josie next peered into the small mirror hanging on the willow branch, the face staring back at her was that of an older, heavy-set woman who looked the picture of poetic fashion. She was stylish, dark, aging, but sharp and quick. She had a keen interest in literature and philosophy, and would clearly, as she arched an eyebrow at the mirror, take no guff from anyone. Her name was Gertrude, she decided. Gertrude Weiser. Josie was very pleased with herself. All that remained now was getting back into town undetected by them and activating the outside assistance protocol. Josie, now in the character of Gertrude Weiser, cleaned up the stash and closed the willow tree. She wasn't sure what the best way to get back into town would be, so she opened up her book. the very helpful book for days like today. She paged to the back. There were only a few blank pages left, flipped to the page where the words were only now just appearing, and read. Having completed her clever and foolproof disguise, Josie prepared to head back to town. The best option to avoid them was to wait an hour. Possibly, Josie thought, even a quick nap. Josie waited for more words to appear. Nothing. Hmm, she thought. Maybe the book doesn't work that far into the future. Well, the sound of a nap was too tempting to pass up. She closed the book, nestled into the willow trunk, and propped a large black leather handbag under her head. After setting
1: her watch alarm
0: carefully for exactly 58 minutes, she slipped. Josie, she's so clever. How does she do all this stuff? I hope she gets back into town. We're going to do another part of the story this week, and then it'll have to be continued again. Lots to be continued. Um, and what we've got here is a red light blinking at me. Man, these red lights just never stop. I guess it's time for another word from another sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. So let's see, uh, let's see what we got here. We'll be back soon with more story.
1: Uh, excuse
2: me from this lovely meal, family, but I think old dad needs to use the body. It's something you've never planned. Will you be back right away,
1: or?
0: So I'll be needing a book. A long one. Ha! Here's an encyclopedia. Don't wait for me, gang!
2: A tragedy waiting just Whoa! Toilet paper, emergency person! Boy, am I glad to hear your voice from a discreet distance away. Thanks for giving me my privacy.
1: Let me do you some toilet paper and I'll be on my way. Wow!
2: Rolls of toilet paper have just magically appeared! That was amazing. Thanks, toilet paper, emergency person.
1: You're welcome. Remember, avoid toilet paper emergencies and always take a peek before you take a seat... I think your catchphrase needs a little work. Yeah, I'm still working on that one. Well, I might be off. I hear a call from afar. Someone else is having a toilet paper emergency. Thanks, toilet paper emergency person. Hey, you're back. What took you so long?
0: Oh, nothing. I was just mesmerized by all that great fresh toilet paper we have up there. Now, please pass me some of that delicious salad. Wash your hands man you guys i don't know how your households work but our household would be uh, a much less pleasant place to be if we didn't have the wonderful superpowers of toilet paper emergency person always looking out for us whenever we find ourselves in a little bit of a pickle um Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen out there in Radio Land, do you hear a difference in my voice? Do you hear a little extra pep in my step? Do you hear the ability to talk faster and to get distracted more easily? Well, there's a very good reason for that, and it's a little bit of a small-town Christmas miracle. It just kind of happened in October. But you guys know Nanners and Boo. Nanners and Boo are the wonderful and brilliant kids that do the show just before Benedettiville's Small Town Adventures. It goes on from 2.30 to 3. If you're not tuning in, you're missing out. But Nanos and Boo, they just made an emergency espresso delivery to the radio station. And after I kind of whined, admittedly, a little bit about uh, my failed coffee mission, they came through in spades delivering delicious, roasty-toasty, dark espresso. And now I'm fueled up. This radio show is going to go on an extra hour and a half now, because that's how long it's going to take for me to work through this espresso energy. So thank you, Daners and Boo. You are gentlemen and ladies, scholars, and fine judges of brandy, as my grandfather loved to say. What were we doing here? Were we doing stuff? I get really distracted, and I get off topic once I get like uh, uh, the caffeine flowing through the veins. Are we talking about Victorian houses? There's a beautiful Victorian house across the street. I could describe it to you, but I'm not gonna. Because I do believe it's actually story time. There we go. Josie was sleeping, you may recall.
1: So, let's see. Josie hadn't
0: thought about all the questions whirling through her mind since earlier that day, but once she was sleeping, her brain pulled all the questions out at once and spun them around like a blender. Her dreams were a bizarre, loud combination of explosions, black cars, uncles, books, bikes, tunnels, broken windows, and giant candle flames. She was pinned beneath a net, and they were standing around her in black suits when her alarm went thought Josie, sleepily sitting up. Even sleeping is getting confusing. She shouldered her black bag, straightened out her Gertrude Wiseman clothes, and looked back at her book. She read. Josie woke from more troubled dreams, shook her head clear, and headed out of the forest. She followed the small creek as it wound her back towards a small, quaint, suburb neighborhood. Josie shook her head then the rest of her body to clear out the dreams and to get the blood pumping. Then, just as the book said, she followed the creek. It was a long and pleasant walk, and by late afternoon, she was on the edge of the forest looking into a quiet suburban neighborhood. She cracked open the book again. At the edge of the forest, she waited behind a low bush exactly three minutes and watched as a sleek black car drove slowly through the neighborhood street. Josie shivered as, through the branches of her bushes, she watched a sleek black car drive slowly by. It was like a shark, gliding along, dangerous, capable, threatening. She glanced back at the book. How many of them were there? wondered Josie. It felt like they were everywhere, from the house to the library to this unknown corner of suburbia. Josie paused in her reading, watching the words appear on the page
1: describing exactly her own thoughts and feelings.
0: Weird, she thought. Awesome, but so very weird, but at least it was helpful. Very helpful, she read on. Josie came out of the bushes completely unnoticed and walked a block west to the bus stop. The bus would arrive 30 seconds later. She would appear to any and all onlookers as a no-nonsense woman on her way to town. And that is exactly what Josie did. The bus pulled up in 30 seconds. Josie paid the bus fare with the money she had taken from the emergency stash. She found a seat, remembering to keep her face serious and unapproachable, the way Gertrude Wiseman would. She read her book as the bus headed for downtown. Now, Josie wanted answers, and so she opened her book, focused her mind as closely as she could on her questions, and watched the words appear. There was only one blank page left she read. Josie thought back very hard to this morning and the day before. She thought about the candle flame fireball in the cave. She thought about the shattered windows and the door of the safe house. Magic, she wondered. And even while her logical brain argued with her about the impossibility of magic and called her ridiculous, the book in her hands told her otherwise. Perhaps... The book suggested just perhaps she was a very powerful, magical individual, and if this was perhaps the case, it might just be connected with they, and why they were so very eager and desperate to find her, to find her, capture her,
1: and quite
0: possibly eliminate her. After all, Josie thought to herself, as she watched these very words appear before her eyes, how else would you describe a future-knowing, thought-reading book that writes itself unless it was magic? Josie's heart and mind were tingling with thoughts, information, wild thoughts and dreams and magical reveries. She turned the page and reached the back cover of the book. She flipped back to the beginning of the book, but it was still full of her activities and thoughts from the morning. Darn it! She thought to herself, no more book today. It was about 4.30 in the afternoon, and she was approaching her downtown stop. The very helpful book for days like today was full. She was on her own, for a while at least, until she could activate the outside assistance protocol. Would the book ever work again? Was it full forever? Was it a book for one day and one day only? Could she add more pages? She'd just have to wait and see. In the meantime, she'd have to rely on her own wits rather than the books. She packed the book away in her large handbag, and as the bus stopped outside the very library she had recently fled, she stepped into the bustling downtown streets. She reviewed the steps for the protocol as she walked. The open sign, the books, the brick. And then the hoodie. With her chin pointed at just the right angle to communicate confidence, attitude, and a mild disdain for the world around her, the fashionable and flowy clothed Miss Gertrude Wiseman made her rounds of the downtown shops. She first stopped into the cookware shop and poo-pooed the non-Italian coffee makers, leaving in a disgruntled huff. No one in the store noticed the upside-down open sign. Most passers by would have taken it for an honest mistake on the part of the store owners. There was, in fact, only one passerby who saw the upside down sign and perked up the attention significantly. Miss Gertrude Wiseman luxuriated and lounged around the outdoor book cart on the sidewalk in front of the bookstore. She loudly proclaimed the books she approved of and those that she thought were total rubbish. As she said, she picked up and replaced book after book. And then she left. If the top shelf books were in perfect and beautiful color coordinated order, the store folks certainly didn't notice. In fact, it could be fairly said that it was only truly noticed by one now very intent- attentive and increasingly excited pair of eyes. Miss Gertrude Wiseman was apparently having a very passionate disagreement with someone on the phone as she paced to and fro in the alley leading to the parking garage. Back and forth she strode in front of the same patch of wall, proclaiming loudly things like, Well, that's why you should never trust a man with a goatee.
1: Or, if they haven't read Matilda, dear, I say, throw them out.
0: And other such things. Whether she was actually holding a phone up to her ear or not was not a thing that any casual observer would be able to tell you. Nor could they have said if anything was different about the brick wall when she left. There was only one watcher who spied a very significant gray brick difference. At the thrift store on the corner, Miss Gertrude Wiseman made a big show about her love for the scarves and shawls that had just come in. She ooed and awed at them. She then moved her attention to the rack on the sidewalk. She was grumbling about how
1: old-fashioned these days
0: and the things kids wear now as she pulled hanger after hanger off the rack and held the garment up before her.
1: Was there an extra hoodie hanging on the rack as she walked away?
0: It was not the kind of thing that the store clerks, nor any other sidewalk walker, would notice. There was, however, one very interested, and now convinced sidewalk walker that absolutely, and definitely... As Miss Gertrude Wiseman had been garrulously and largely making her way around downtown, she had noticed several things herself. She had noticed the regular passings of several sleek, large black cars down the street. She had also noticed standing, leaning, sitting at regular intervals across the sidewalks, storefronts, and benches of downtown, several people who looked very casual and very watchful. She knew. She could tell from the way they occasionally flashed a gesture to one another, the way their eyes never rested in any one place, the way their expressions never changed from the two friendly grins. She was proud of herself as she passed by them repeatedly, completely unsuspected
1: and undetected.
0: After she hung her own hoodie on the third hanger from the left in front of the thrift store, she crossed the street and walked up the steep hill to the park. It was a small but beautiful grassy park. There were no play structures or sandpits, and so it was usually quiet and relatively empty. Occasional couples passing by hand in hand, dog walkers, joggers, the rare picnicker. Josie, as Gertrude Wiseman sat on the bench beneath the redwood trees and waited. According to the outside assistance protocol, she would wait for no longer than 15 minutes. She had only just pulled the water bottle out of her handbag when she started in surprise a large black rat was climbing up onto the bench beside her. She stared at it, her water bottle halfway to her mouth. The rat stared back at her. It stood, crossed its front legs across its chest, and began to tap its back paw on the bench. The clearly impatient and vaguely disappointed look on the rat's face reminded Josie of something. She peered down at it, her face moving closer. Do you "'Want something?' she whispered to it, feeling rather silly. The rat slapped a paw to its face, looked down, and then, cocking its head, stared back at her. Its eyebrows furrowed in disappointment, and it squeaked at her. Tap, tap, tap on its paw. "'What?' Josie asked out loud, frustrated. "'You want something? Sure. Water? You're a rat. I don't have anything you want.' She stopped. "'The cheese. The cheese from the emergency kit!' The cheese, she said out loud, and she dug into her backpack, nestled inside of the large black handbag, and pulled out the emergency kit. There in the kit, beside the elaborate doorknob, was the chunk of cheese in a bag. She took it out. She handed the cheese to the rat. It stopped tapping its foot, its brow unfurrowed. It broke the cheese chunk in half and offered half of it back to Josie. Uh, oh, she said, thanks, I guess. She took the cheese from the rat's little paw. The rat devoured its chunks, small crumbs falling, its tiny paws and jaws working furiously. Josie popped the cheese into her mouth. It was cheddar. She'd been right. Finally, she heard in a high pitched, squeaky voice.
1: She jumped. She stared down at the rat. Um
0: did you just say finally? she managed, her mouth open, her eyes all goggly.
1: Yeah, I sure did.
2: The rat squeaked at her.
1: I'm the outside assistance! I'm sham. "'And, by my count, this is outside assistance rescue number two for me and you!' "'The tunnel, Josie said. "'That was you!'
0: She felt her thumb where the teeth marks were still scabbed over. She finally connected the look of the disappointed rat.
1: "'Yep, sure it was!' said Sham. "'But why a famous super magic power kid like you couldn't control a basic fireball? That's got me all kinds of confused!' "'You're all kinds of confused,' burst out Josie. "'I'm being chased by crazies all over town. "'I've got a magic book that I somehow ordered from the library. "'I'm dressed up as a 50-year-old woman, "'and I'm sitting here talking to a rat!' "'I'm going to change my name to all kinds of
0: confused,' "'Josie said, sighing.
1: "'Oh, all right, point taken,' said Sham. "'What is your name, anyway?'
0: "'I'm Josie, and seriously?' "'I have no idea what's going on, Sham.' Magic, them,
1: talking rats?
0: I'm going to explode if one more weird, unexplainable thing happens, she said.
1: figures uh, you didn't get told anything,
0: Shem muttered as he clambered off the bench and up Josie's arm. Magic folks have gotten to be
1: real secretive and suspicious over the years. Don't like to tell anything to anyone. I'm sorry it's such a mess for you.
0: <clears throat> said Josie, her arms crossed in front of her foam suit, 50-year-old body. Apology accepted, I guess. Although, some explanations would also be accepted. Can you give me some answers, Sham? Josie asked, standing up. You've got to know some things. Super magic power, kid? What are you talking
1: about? Magic folk? Come on, please. Uh, I'm sorry, kid,
0: Sham said softly.
1: That's just not my place. There's a lot to tell, and only one person that can tell it. I can't explain anything, but I can take you to the person who can. Deal?
0: Josie sighed again. Deal, she said.
1: All right, then, Sham said. Let's go see a man about a clock. A man about a clock?
0: Josie arched her eyebrow, but she bit back her questions. It could wait. It would have to wait. Josie, with Sham nestled into the shawl on her shoulders, stepped out of the park into the lengthening shadows of the downtown streets, toward the lights, the shops, and, Josie hoped,
1: answers to be continued again
0: wow pretty fun stuff you guys not gonna not gonna mince words i love stories did i mention i also love coffee did i mention the dinners and boo are fantastic people I hope I did. Thanks for the coffee delivery, guys. I'm feeling
1: great.
0: Um now I uh we we we're, we're coming up on the end of the hour. So kids, um all you kids out there, uh I I need to just let you know that we have come to the part of the program that will be utterly and totally boring for all of you kiddos, okay? Um, And I'm sorry about that. It's been really fun up to this point, I'm sure. But for the next few minutes, I'm going to be reading headlines from the international financial news. Um, I'll be explaining proper procedures for repainting house siding, And I'll be talking at length, actually, about the importance of eating healthy food, uh, good listening to your parents, and early bedtimes. Now, I'd like to give you all a chance to leave the room, plug your ears, Read a book, sing to yourself, do whatever you do so that you don't have to hear what will absolutely and positively be such boring things that I'm about to talk about, all right? In fact, I insist, kids, do not listen to the things that I'm going to say. You know, not, it's not going to be anything exciting or secret or anything, it's just going to be super boring, really boring, okay? Moms, dads, are, you, are the kids listening? Okay, well, hey, a fair warning, I gave fair warning, <clears throat> here we go. Financial headlines from around the world. <clears throat> CIC Capital expands Swiss steaks. Uh, and that's like steaks as, as some kind of financial word. It's not spelled like steak like you would eat. So, kids, if you thought steak, Swiss steak was exciting, it's not. Okay? Are you still listening? All right, we'll try this one. Pacino Regional Bank scraps tie-up. Right? Yeah. See? <laughs> that ought to send you kids running... I don't even know what that's about. I'm sure you don't. Pretty boring. Well, you haven't had enough yet, huh, kids? All right. You asked for it. Hypo Lensburg ties up with Avobis. Yeah, that's right. Real estate service provider Avobis has joined up with regional bank Hypo the Car Lensburg. Yep. This is actual financial news from around the world. You've got to be bored. Mom, Dad, did, did we do it? Did we do it? Are the kids not listening? I hope. Excellent. Okay. Now, we have to have this frequency absolutely clear of kid ears because we are about to call to order this meeting of the Parenting League of the Universe, where our motto is and always will be, you're doing great. You're doing great, moms and dads out there. Uh, Now, first order of business, I had to have that extended introduction, the super boring financial part, uh, for this meeting because... It is painful, and we have to admit this to each other, but our secret society secrets are being overheard somehow. And I don't know how, maybe in a previous episode of our radio meeting, some kid or other must have been like secretly listening in because we have had several children show up at the old secret headquarters. That's why we had to move it. It was only with the emergency stash of chocolate cupcakes that we managed to get them to leave Before they ask any really tricky questions. And just last week at the annual convention for bedtime storytelling, we had not one, but two parents in the audience who, who, we discovered, thanks to the extra excellent efforts of our flow-to security, they were actually kids in disguise. They pulled the old put on a trench coat and stand on each other's shoulders. You guys, it is very important that no child is hearing our message right now or our secret ways. They can't know about our powers or our meetings or our vast network of parents helping parents to be awesome parents. It could all be uncovered. It could all be discovered. It could all be ruined. So with that, we move on to our second order of business this month. Oh, Parenting League of the Universe members, we will have the legendary Martha Van Stokel speaking at the new and very, very, very secret headquarters. Directions and the very, very secret passwords have been mailed to your homes disguised as extremely boring credit card advertisements. Martha will be bringing her decades of research on dreams to her workshop, How to Cook Your Child's Bad Dreams Away. Her connection between cauliflower and nightmares is jaw-dropping, ladies and gentlemen, so be there. Next Wednesday at 5. Lastly, I just have to reiterate make sure that the kids don't hear any of this. We need your vigilance if our noble and secret organization is going to survive and continue to support your most excellent and fantastic parenting. Now, our time is almost up. So remember, you're doing great. Okay, now we can let the kids back in to listen. They can stop singing, have them take out their earbuds, or or whatever they were doing. I'm going to go back to the boring stuff really briefly. And they will be completely fooled. (laughs) Way to go, moms and dads. We did it again. And so, in conclusion, the earlier the bedtime, the sooner you will get to work on all of those wonderful grown-up things that all of us grown-ups love, like taxes, bill-paying, cabinet repairs, and light bulb maintenance. Oh, welcome back, kiddos. Sorry again for the extremely boring and unlistenable intrusion. Into an otherwise kid friendly and delightful radio hour. I believe our uh, uh, boringness is done for now, and uh, we can get on to the next thing. Ah! All right, folks, you know what that sound means. That means we're at the end of the episode. And this is a special outro recorded special for the podcast because on the radio show, I went really late and I didn't even have time to say my thank yous and goodbyes. I had to be like,
2: I'm I'm late, goodbye.
0: So... I would like to thank Blue for the public service announcement. I'd like to thank Cooper and the Rivertown Voices for the awesome station identifications. All the stories and silliness in this episode were made by Ville. We'd like to thank our sponsors the Eggman, the Raccoon. Oh, the Raccoons actually didn't make it onto the final cut. Forget about that. Let's thank them later. Thank Toilet Paper Emergency Person. Crucial. Hey, you guys. Drop us a line anytime about anything, particularly if it's about imagination and creativity or troll safety. Mail at benedettiville.com. We got a P.O. Box. That's P.O. Box 336 at the Mail Depot. You can drop it off if you're in Petaluma right down at the Mail Depot. That's 40 on 4th Street, 94952. You guys, thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week for another episode. Take care.